0: Welcome to At The Heart Of It, where we talk about life, celebrate creativity, champion entrepreneurship, and get to the heart of the why behind what we do. My name is Brian Udy, and today we have an incredible guest, Tamara Beatty. Tamara is an incredible vocal coach, and I've had the the pleasure of getting to work with her a few times throughout my time as a musician. Um, and Tamara has some incredible, incredible biography notes um and accomplishments that she's had in her career uh tamara has actually been a vocal coach on the voice and the masked singer i believe for over 14 seasons which is incredible so what's really amazing about tamara's story uh is not only is she an incredible vocal coach but she was a high performance athlete before that and has done a lot of speaking as well as at tedx events across uh, across canada so Tamara's story is incredible um she has actually worked with and she'll talk about this in the episode um some incredible people from Usher to Tony Hawk when he was on The Masked Singer she was such a great guest and I'm so excited for this interview so here is my conversation with Tamara Beattie on At The Heart Of It Welcome to At the Heart of It, where we talk about life, celebrate creativity, champion entrepreneurship, and get to the heart of the why behind what we do. I am super excited about my guest today. She is a powerhouse in so many different facets of the word, Um, and I've had the pleasure of being able to work with her and chat with her on multiple occasions. Tamara Beattie, thank you so much for joining me.
1: Oh, hello! Well, I love that intro. I don't know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I I probably will not do your story justice. So I would love for you to kind of chat about um, how you got into the line of work that that you're in. Obviously, kind of performance coaching, vocal coaching. Um, we'll get into some of the the uh, the, the big uh, resume pieces in in a bit. Um, but you were kind of an athlete before that. And I'm, and I would love for you to be able to kind of share, share your story in that transition. Um, and, uh, yeah, just share that a little bit more.
1: Sure. So actually my athletic and sort of, singing stuff that I started to enjoy singing kind of came up at the same time. Like I was actually put into lessons by my parents. And of course, the story is that I was too loud and I was always using my mouth and always like making <laughs> sounds here and there. And um, and we were in a small town and there was a singing coach. So they took me over to lessons and I did like a weekly lesson. This was probably I was probably about 12 when I started that Um, and it was just for fun. It was just, I enjoyed going and um, had a really great coach that, you know, kind of kept me in line. I really loved it. And right around at the same time, probably I was 11 or 12, I started training as well for track and field. And when I say training, it probably sounds like I was good right away, but I was not. I remember like a 10 minute run being like exhausting and how am I going to finish this 10 minute run, you know? So it didn't start off like, wow, I could do everything perfectly at all, but I loved that as well. So I started kind of training with the kind of junior high and high school, uh, track and field club. And my dad was an active participant in, in training me as well. Again, first, just cause I really, really liked it, but, um, I, I quickly sort of, continued with those two paths, like they were both mm-hmm. my complete loves all, all the way along. And um, from um, kind of a running or tra- I guess track and field perspective, I started to get more serious and I was waking up really early, like at about, I don't know, like four or five in the morning sometimes and just working out before I went to school. And, um, you know, probably, you know, working out my workouts to from like four workouts a week to five to six to seven you know and i was just i was getting really serious about it and then probably by the time i was 16 i had qualified for worlds um in triple jump actually and i just was going to track meets every weekend like a lot of the people that were in our small town so that kind of found its way all the way up and i went to university track and field i got a scholarship and um and then you know then I kind of broke away and this is where sort of my musical and uh, I would say athletic careers sort of join and branch. Um, right. But be- kind of to back up, I'd say that for my singing stuff, I was just doing my singing, enjoying my, my lessons. And then when I was about 16 years old, my coach said it was time for me to begin coaching. And hmm. that was kind of a surprise because I was like, really? I don't know how to coach. No one's taught me how to teach. And she said, well, that's how you start. You just begin. And so I opened up my own singing studio actually at 16, and I've been doing it ever since. So um, as I got older and university kind of came and I did go to university for music, um, there was a point there where I was also like on, I was having scholarships for, for music and for athletics and that my athletics was sort of my main focus. It was my main love. So much so that my music instructors were saying like, you've got to pick, you've got to choose. And I was thinking, no, no, I, I'm not going to pick. These are my loves. I have to do both of them. You know what I mean? And, um, but I overdid it in the training and I ended up, um, kind of having a bout of, of exhaustion, having to go to the hospital. And, um, that led to a decision to kind of leave university for a little bit of time. And I went to Maui actually, And, um, in Maui, I continued my training on my own, but that's when I started to sort of branch out more into music and singing. And I ended up finding myself in, at first San Francisco and then Los Angeles, working with some of the best coaches, I guess, at least that's what I thought at the time. And I, I still do. Um, and that's where I really started kind of putting Most of my time into that. And of course, my training became my daily thing, but I wasn't going to competitions as much.
0: There you go. That's, that's crazy that, you know, there's that, that, that tie of coaching so early on, which I think is really unique and and interesting because, you know, for me with hockey, it was kind of the same thing. It's like you would, you would train and you would um, get to a point where then you're Kind of helping coach at the at the big you know goalie uh, camps and stuff like that. But right. I but I love that that was so early on in the in the performance side and the music side because um, you don't see that very often. Typically, you see singing coaches that are going to university and getting a degree, and then that's when they start or um, they come well, around
1: in the back way you know like right. become a background singer and then you know people start asking them questions and then they become um yeah. a voice coach but when i did go away to san francisco it was kind of that group of people they ended up um the singing people they ended up like saying hey you know you've got to start your own official studio which i really had already done when i was 16 but i was yeah. mostly coaching out of my own house and so i actually opened up a storefront when I was 18 maybe maybe 19 um, and they also because I was traveling around and also doing like track and field in France and stuff like that I actually joined one of their um, one of their national teams and I ended up um, kind of being sent over there to do some coaching some singing coaching in France so it the worlds really intertwined they were not very separate for me
0: right. That's, that's fascinating. And what, what was that experience like being 16? Like, were, were you kind of coaching, obviously, people that were younger than you, like, like younger kids, and, and that's kind of how you started? Like, how, how impactful do you believe coaching at that age has, has been to your career as a, as a vocal and performance coach at, at, at this stage in your life? Because obviously, like, I can tell you firsthand, <laughs> that you are such a great communicator and and teacher that um, you're able to communicate uh, ideas and, and, and do that so effectively. Like how, how impactful was that to have, have that experience at such a young age to uh, well, firstly,
1: thank to you. I really, now. really appreciate
0: that. Like <laughs> no. really, that's
1: a big compliment. <laughs> it was very impactful. And of course, wasn't something that I even, I don't know that I would have thought of it. I don't think I would have said, Oh, I'm going to be a coach. I probably would have gone down the normal lines and then found myself to it. I do believe I would have found myself there anyways. Right. Um, but for her to just be like, you know, it's now time. And she was just saying, you just, just start. And I did, and I never questioned it. And I did begin, um, I would say with younger kids, but also lots of people my age, and then it ended up being some adults. And then when I opened up my storefront, um, which was about three years later, I guess, I had all sorts of ages of people coming in. And I just always have loved coaching, like every piece of it. I feel like every time someone comes in, I'm learning a lot about people, about that specific person, how to help them understand something, what's Mm -hmm. important to them, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Which I think is another real unique ability of yourself and I would love to to hear your process behind this, which is you're able to bring out and almost amplify the best parts of of each performer. And for for me from a marketing and branding perspective, like that's always been something that's top of mind when you're working with a client is trying to bring out what is the superpower of this individual, there's superpower of this brand. And how can you amplify that as, you know, a differentiator, um, especially with however many country artists or pop artists or rap artists, like there has yeah. to be something different. How do you go about finding that nugget within an artist and bringing out that, that special, you know, attribute about that artist and, and making that, uh, you know, just amplifying that a little bit more.
1: Yeah, I think the skill of this had to kind of come about from a situation and that's when I went to work on a voice. Like I probably mm-hmm. had to have that skill before, but it became very apparent, excuse me, it became very apparent when um, I went down there and was literally like I I showed up after, you know, kind of being interviewed not very much longer. I found my way like getting a visa extremely quickly in order to go. And then I showed up and was literally like this place and I didn't even know where to go. Nobody, there was no signs or a place for me to go. And I just showed up and was like, hi, this is who I am. They're like, oh, go to this room. And I went to a room and there was a piano and I knew nothing and people started coming in. I didn't know how many sessions we were going to have. I didn't know how rehearsals worked. Not one person has chatted with me past my interview. So I literally showed up and I was like, you know, I received songs. Oh, let's do a song. And, you know, I was listening to singer after singer. And of course, most of them are pretty good when they come in, you know, yeah. fixes here and there, but a lot of them are pretty good. So as I was going through it, I was just thinking, okay, well, we'll fix up this, we'll fix up that. Um, but literally person after person after person, after a while, I thought to myself, okay, I'm going to review who I've got. And when I did that, I was like, I couldn't remember hardly anybody. Mm-hmm. And I just thought that was such an important impressive moment for me to go, wow, great cancels out great. Like Mm. if you're great and the next person's great and the next person's great and the next person's great. You know, if you see a a string long enough of great, they, they don't stand out necessarily. So I started really trying to figure out like, what's the thing that's going to make someone stand out? And, uh, you know, what's, it's their differences. It's this, it's that. And what I realized is my, my sole job was to help somebody become more themselves. And yeah. mostly the parts of themselves that they didn't think were important. Those are the parts that actually shone the, the brightest, the things that get overlooked or like, oh, that's easy for me. But it's like sometimes the thing that's easy for you is the thing that's one of the most compelling things about you. But we kind yeah. of, you know, put that to the background. So yeah. I feel like that experience really made me. Kind of hone in on that and of course because it was high stakes like you know somebody big in the industry that they really respected was either going to turn their chair or not turn their chair based on this performance you started to find like ways like oh this person does this great let's implement it right here right here and right here so that they can mm-hmm. we've got three chair turn opportunities you know and i started to think that way and i think it made a big difference to the way i was thinking
0: No kidding. Well, and I'd love, I'd love to backpedal just a slightly, like you you talked about your experience on the voice. Like how did that come about? How did you end up being kind of behind the scenes on one of the most popular, you know, music related shows, um, over the last 10 years. And for those of for those that don't know, you were helping those artists before they actually stepped on that stage and, and gave that, you know, blind kind of audition so yeah yeah what yeah. was that what how did that come about
1: well the short story is that I got a phone call out of the blue and of course I didn't think it was real I was like why is NBC phoning me you know
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah
1: <laughs> that's fun although is, it, is this real you know am I being punked yeah. but um that's the short story but the long story longer I guess our backpedal story is that you know I was already doing lots of things like I basically since that moment I arrived in San Francisco like that was a crazy time because literally there was no transportation to where I needed to go and so I, I arrived I was in San Jose I had to take a, basically my train and bus route to the studio to learn was like four hours one way and then I would go stay as long as I could all day and then I would come back and I would do that day on day on day on day to sort of watch and observe everything, but also take a lesson. Right. Right. So that process was sort of like I was doing that. And then I ended up getting sent to France and then I ended up coming back and I ended up getting, you know, involved with different people. Um, I started writing some, uh, course materials for a professor at Stanford university and we were, I was putting together his philosophy on improvisation. Um, and, you know, I put that together and he kind of, you know, would say my name here or there. And then other people would say, oh, well, this girl, she knows how to do this, or she's really into the education side of it. Or, you know, so it kind of my name, I think kind of got out. And then somebody um, actually, a couple people, I think that's how it always works in Hollywood is somebody mentions you. And if one or hmm. two people mention you, then you might just get a phone call. And so that's how it happens.
0: Yeah. So so I, I think that's just an, an incredible example of of how a lot of things happen in almost any industry is being present, being engaged, you know, kind of putting yourself out there, um beyond just, you know, going above and beyond. So um
1: and I would I, just I, have to say I, one yeah. thing, and I really truly think it's important because like right now there's all these ideas of um you know you have to visualize and i believe visualization is massively important like but visualize mm-hmm. know what you want but i did not know what i wanted i had no plan in any particular way all i knew is i just woke up and i i did music and i yeah. learned and i just followed what was in important and interesting to me and of course the students and people i was working with really guided um, oh, I would like to figure out how to do that for that person. This person does that, so I, if I learned more about that, I could help them with with that. And so it was just kind of it guided my learning, and it, I did not have a set path or desire in there, and it came along. And I think that can happen too.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> I think yeah. I'm very much an example of that as well. Really? Where it's like, absolutely. I, I think I think it's it's something. I, I, this this is a personal thing for me. My my one word. There's this great book. Uh, I can't remember what his, what his name is, I'm, and it's going to drive me crazy, but the book is called Your One Word, and it's about oh. kind of what is that theme throughout your life. And for me, it's heart. Uh, like, I've named my company after it, and, and you know, fo- follow your heart, you know, be true to your heart, like, sh- share your heart with others. Like, I just think it's such a, such a powerful word, and it has never led me astray. And whether it was making a tough decision not to continue playing hockey, or it was, you know, going, I have never pursued music, but want to try it. And then have that opportunity to, you know, to perform wow. with Annika as leaving Thomas and meet you and, you know, have all of these amazing experiences and then have the same tough decision to go, you know, it might be time just to move on from, from leaving Thomas and this, you know, still close with Annika and stuff, but it's, I have never looked back and regretted a moment where I actually trusted my heart. That's and cool. I think that's, that's, what's really interesting about what you're saying too, is that you didn't wake up going, I want to be on the. I want to be the vocal coach on the voice. But no. because you followed and wanted to help people, and you followed your heart and your your gut or your instinct of things that you enjoy, I think that's incredibly powerful.
1: Yeah, and I think my athletic background of just always being interested in high performance. Like I can literally remember, just even in grade school, going to school and just always being like mesmerized by anything that was at the top just at the Mm. highest level, no matter what it was, didn't matter what discipline it was. I loved it. So I think that kind of infused and it kind of worked well with work that was on set as well as this element of competition and having to be mentally there and knowing how to leap and knowing how to like take what's not really possible in the moment and make it possible by, by sheer, like just, going forward and knowing this and trusting and uh so those kind of worlds came together and of course you have to always work tons of repetition in athletics so you're not kind of shy to that idea so i feel like those the the worlds really complemented themselves and uh i'm very grateful to have had that experience
0: yeah no kidding I know that you've done some like TED talks and, and stuff like that in the past and I, and I believe that you've also done some work kind of on, on the corporate speaking side if I'm not yes. mistaken. So kind of what what is that uh, that story that, that you have kind of shared from being able to have your athletic background and music and then you know what is that message that you typically share within within those talks that aren't necessarily related to, to you know music or or athletics.
1: No, yeah, that's a good question. I I guess I I believe that we've got a knowingness inside of ourselves. Maybe that's what you call heart. It's just mm-hmm. like this thing that you feel like you know. And I think it's as, as artists or anybody who's creative or, you know, I would say amplifying their creativity, you're basically wanting to get something inside out.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I I talk about that process of like Getting what's in out and all the blocks that can kind of come up and all the ways we can sort of stop ourselves, even subconsciously, not even knowing it. And, and just some ways to be able to bring it out anyways. And also that I believe every one of us has magic and you might not know what your magic is, but if you can just harness the little pieces of magic, you can defy a lot of rules. Like, for example, in public speaking, I know there's lots of rules and I'm sure they would be perfect if you followed them of don't say, um, don't say, er, you know, make sure you're standing really confidently and all of that stuff. But, but some people's charm is the fact that they're awkward. And Hmm. some people's charm is, is also that they maybe are a little extra brainy or analytical and then they might stutter over their words or something. And I don't think that that should be an impediment. I think amplify that area of yourself, go into it confidently and you'll be surprised how much somebody remembers you because you're being yourself confidently and you are getting what's inside out because that's the most important thing. So, you know, and I think maybe the other thing is that I believe limitations are sometimes your biggest, you know, your biggest strategic advantage. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes people are looking for like, what do they do? Amazing. But also it's like, what don't I do? And, and how, if I problem solve around it or that can make me unique by having that limitation. So those types of messages really work in say the corporate world. Um, And I guess the last thing is, is I have a real strong idea about what I believe a voice is. And I don't believe it's a physical thing. Mm
0: -hmm. I don't
1: believe our voice is actually just this physical thing that we speak and sing with. I believe that it's before that. And again, maybe that lines up with your idea of your heart. It doesn't really have a word to it. It's sort of like, something there that wants to be expressed and as singers and speakers we are using our voice as a vehicle for it and for that reason you know then it's it's not so it's not so personal if our actual physical voice needs to be more fit or a little bit more Mm. like in shape or, or or if you need to work on it even in a technical way it doesn't have to relate to that thing that you're getting out. It's just the vehicle for it. So it sort of takes some. You don't feel like it's so personal when you're singing right. because because it's just like just get the chops to get to get whatever you got to say out. And so it's mm-hmm. sort of those. I guess I would say like very short little snippets of each one of those things. That's sort of like a brief um, encompassing of uh, of what I think is important in those areas.
0: Absolutely. Well, I'd love to transition quickly back to to the voice and and the mass singer, which I which I'm super excited to chat about quickly as well. But um, <laughs> yeah, you know, the one of my favorite parts of of you know our our time together, which was I believe mostly at Project Wild, um, yes. and and a couple other uh, uh, seminars that you would do with the CCMA's. But one of my favorite things that you do is you kind of take performances from the voice and talk about the changes that you made within that song. And like you said, those chair turning moments. Um, and I think that is, you know, that can relate to any type of presentation or proposal or anything like that is finding those moments that you can stand out and be memorable. Um, but also be true to who you are. So, I I mean, I'd love if you're able to kind of share, you know, a potential example or, or, you know, outline that process a little bit more of, of, um, you know, how, how you kind of find those, those chair turning moments. Um, and, and uh, you know, kind of, I, obviously this isn't visual, it's more audio that we're doing right now, <laughs> which is, which is tough to, to give a great example, but um, yeah. Can you speak to, to kind of what that process looks like when you're, when you're working with an artist in that scenario?
1: Sure. Like the chair turn moment is actually a very big concept that i do think really translates across industries it's like yeah. it's that moment when somebody you know who you might think is important a gatekeeper or somebody who has some clout or somebody who could help you get from one point to another point if they're out there you know watching something or whatever or listening what is it that makes them want to like follow you or invest in you or again that's like that's to me like that chair turn moment. Someone goes, well, okay, boom, you know, yeah. you hit the, hit the button and that's that like, yes, I want to invest in you is essentially what they're saying. I believe in you. There's something interesting about you. I'm interested in more. So, um, when working, uh, kind of behind the scenes, the, as I'd kind of mentioned, I I'm often just listening for little pieces of magic that pop out, just, boom, just a little piece obviously the song itself has its own magic in it. And sometimes we have to just first serve the song and to be able to make sure that if there's a hook that we're actually respecting that hook and making sure that, you know, whatever sort of arrangement you do on, it doesn't just completely, you know, disregard that whole song. And so there's some like fundamental things I say are important. And, 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 you know, for some people, it's very important to be on pitch exactly. And for others, it doesn't matter. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I'm constantly searching for that blend of like, how much is, does this person need to be on pitch? How much do they have to, you know, uh, share something new and exciting, but certainly never is it just this full display of skills that gets attention. And I, one of the things I really remember is when Pharrell, um, you know, he really changed the game when he got on the scene, because in my opinion, um, he was listening with the producer's ears Mm -hmm. um, which sort of changed how people turned around because he was looking for not just somebody who was good and somebody who could, who could really get there. But he, you know, he wanted, what he said is he wants their personality to scream out in their tone. Mm -hmm. And so that's different. So, um, you know, those little things that happen in your voice, a little crack or a little flip or that moment when you're not thinking and you back off and you don't, put so much into it. It's like, it's that little crack of a moment and you might, oh, that's amazing. And then, you know, it's just try and place them and and put them in different spots. And that's literally what I'm trying to do every time I hear a performance is, you know, respect the song first. And then secondly, I'm going in and I'm, I'm finding where does the song need a moment where my formula is same plus same plus same equals no good. (laughs) Hmm. So it's basically, you can, you do something, And then you need to switch it up. So if that's just like a little change in the verse, second verse, or maybe a change in the second chorus that comes along, what's that going to be? And how could I change something or help someone change something that feels like them and nobody else? In other words, I can't just give them the riff I would do or the, or the texture I would use. I have to really listen for what it is they're doing and, and kind of go, yeah, let's, let's do that. At first I try and allow them to figure it out, but oftentimes, you know, you're, you're giving it and then remolding it in order for it to fit them. And yeah, I mean, there's so many more. I mean, I could go into more detail, but it's, you know, there's lots of, ways to make something more interesting. And it's really using the principles of improvisation is is what I would say. And, Hmm. and, and those principles, it's kind of like, you know, repetition, like going up to a note and coming down, going up to that note again, repeating it, going back up, repeat, and then hold, and then come back down and then go back up again. You know, it's like listening to those masters of improvisation really share a lot about how you can make something more compelling in a 90 second, for example, uh situation, but Always, always, always I'm listening for the moments that shine through that nobody's even trying and you go, that's cool. Yeah. We've got to have that in there. And oftentimes it's very difficult for them to replicate because it's not what they want. They want to sound good and not weak, Mm -hmm. but most people don't realize that it does, that doesn't matter. What matters is that you just allow someone to see you. And then you kind of, again, get that vehicle up to shape so that you can be seen in the best way possible. It's For sure. way I think
0: of it. Yeah. And, and I think the, uh, the other thing that's very interesting about just even the nature of, of the work that you do is it's very personal. I mean, somebody's voice is very personal. It's, it's their voice. Um, and y- y- you have such a, tasteful tactful way in which you communicate how to potentially improve that or amplify something no absolutely um is there you know any specific strategies that you will use when you're trying to pull something out of somebody because obviously there's there's you know a bit of that ego there, and if you're trying something and you're worried it's not going to sound good or it's going to fail or you're not going to quite hit the note the way you want to, but it's going to be different enough and be more true to who you are. Like, is it, what are some of the some of the potential communication strategies or tools that you you'll use to kind of coach somebody into uh, something that that may be more themselves?
1: Well. I definitely follow my gut. I guess follow my heart is a, maybe what you might say. So sometimes because of that, it's not like I have a a list book of like strategy one, strategy two, strategy yeah. three or anything more like that. I just, I just personally believe that the person in front of me is telling me exactly what they need. They're not maybe saying it, but if their body language and, and what scares them, um, what's important to them, you know, all of those things are interesting. And I really truly have the artists or the singers like best interest in mind. I really very careful every time I go into my coaching, be very careful not to push my own agenda, not to Mm -hmm. make anybody's performance sound or look such a way that makes me look good or not. It's like that's got to be completely out of the equation. It really is simply like listening and watching those little things so If somebody's a perfectionist, for example, um, you know that they're going to constantly have a list of things that are important. And if they don't get ticked, it doesn't matter what else you put up for them to try. They're not going to be able to do that. So addressing that list and kind of saying, I have you in mind. I'm listening for that. I'm watching out for these things that, that you care about and I care about them too. It's just that if we care about them right now, you're not going to get to your optimal performance and I promise you. And so then when they see that little moment of it and they go, okay, I got it. Then they start to trust and you can just deliver more and more and more. And I, I, so I just, you know, once I did this one session with this 16 year old who I thought was really smart, actually, she was a real clever girl and, um, she really did not want to do the some things that I was having her do. And I said to her, you know, I'm not going to push you to do it, but this is what I believe is going to help you the most. And, you know, let's work around what's comfortable for you. And we inched our way up there. Finally, she did get there. And at the very end of our time together, because it was like a, it was like a a month's kind of a sessions. Um, And when she was leaving, I said, you know, thanks for trusting me. And then she Mm. turned back and she said, thank you for being trustworthy. That's just Mm. like hit my soul. I was like, yeah, no kidding. Thank you, 16-year-old. <laughs> you know? Validated.
0: Well, it felt good
1: to be like, oh, I guess, yeah. yeah, you know, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And then that's the kind of rapport you try and get. And then I feel like if people are trusting, the things you can do together, like any good team, are so much more. Because then you'll try weird things that might not necessarily want to be tried <laughs> otherwise.
0: Yeah. But that, that to me is is entertainment, like it is, part of it is so subjective, but at the same time, the best artists in the world are the ones that stand out and try things. Like oh, you think yes. of Prince, you and think of vulnerable. David Bowie. Absolutely. Like you think of Kiss, vulnerable. like they're just different and they, they tried something and they went a, you know, they went a different direction, something that was unexpected, but that's what made them them. And yes. I think that's so hard and scary for especially in our culture where everything's being judged on social media or YouTube and the comments section, you can hear, or you're seeing thoughts of every single person that is pretty much watching you. So, um, that, that's what I think is so interesting of, of the work that you do, especially kind of on the live performance side too, is, um, you know, creating a more entertaining show can sometimes be scarier than (laughs) a less entertaining show because you're, you're just kind of staying in your own little box, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. And it is a lot of work, but you bring up a good point about entertainment because, you know, there's that whole other aspect of the industry and sort of fitting into that as well. Mm -hmm. But I I find a lot of artists and honestly, I did the same thing. You know, I was like trying to figure out, Oh, I do this. When I was doing my own stuff, I was like, Oh, you know, make these songs, blah, blah, blah. And then just, I looked at them all and I was like, I don't know how they all fit together. And it's hard. You're like, trying to pick different parts of yourself to show and you know i feel like there's different personalities and there's just that personality or that artist who just does what they do it comes out and blah there it is and it's already unique you know and then there's sometimes someone comes along they do what they do and it's maybe not as unique and it needs to be honed or they need to kind of figure more of their personality into their performance versus you know more skill or maybe you know, emote a little bit more, like whatever somebody is good at, if they emote, then go there. If they are more skilled mm-hmm. then go there. If, if there's someone who creates unique content, go there, you know, so like just really find that area that works for them. But then there's that group of people who are really good at a lot of things. I think they find it the hardest. And the yeah. best example <laughs> sure. I could say is somebody doing that well is like, Usher, like, I've just had the privilege of watching so many stars rehearse, which I think is even mm-hmm. more important than seeing them perform. For sure. And, you know, I watch him, like, just run his way and, like, sing his way around everything to, like, holy crap, it is amazing. And then by the end of that rehearsal, he's picked probably three of maybe 50 runs that he does. And hmm. he just does it. And he does a performance that allows him to move, and obviously he works out a lot in order to do that. But so he's somebody whose depth is huge and wide, and he's just decided this is what I do for my brand. So what I'm going to put out, and he's not worried about what he's not showing other people, which I think is spectacular.
0: Mm-hmm. That's that's what I think is really interesting, and I know we're we're going to start to wrap up here. But before we get into to the rapid fire, I'd love if you're able to share some of those stories of some of the amazing people that you've been able to work with, which what, what one of my favorite is when you told me that you worked with Tony Hawk on the Mass Singer. And, oh, yeah. And you're going like, like some of these people that may not even be singers, but, uh, you know, that, that we know them as. Um, but I mean, Usher is a great example. I'm sure there's countless others that, uh, that, that you'd be able to, to share, but yeah. Are, are, can, can you, you know, share a couple experiences, you know, two or three of uh, artists that have, have reached that level um, and some of the kind of the learnings that that you've taken from from working with those people?
1: Yeah, you're right. I love working with singers and non singers like Tony Hawk yeah. was such a great example of somebody who's at the highest level of what they do and just brings the work ethic and the way of thinking, which is basically like, you know, if you're skateboarding and you fall down, you just, it's nothing. You just get back up. So like extremely resilient, doesn't take anything personally. And that's actually a trait that I think as artists is very rare. We take everything personally and everything is like, oh, I have to feel every emotion. But like, he was just like, go, boom, boom. And the the progress he made was, was, was huge and very enjoyable. He never got, he was nervous. He was like, I don't know this. I don't know if I can do this, but, but he was (laughs) extremely amazing to be around. I I think I like working with athletes so much just because that was maybe my background, like Rob Gronkowski and I'm obviously he's not an actual like singer per se, but I mean, his heart was just absolutely huge and he just loved performing and loved dancing. So it's so fun to watch him like, be like, oh, I know I don't really got it or whatever, he would just sit there and drill and drill and drill. And he'd be like, okay, let's do this. And he would just (laughs) go out and and have his fun. And I, I don't know. I really, really admire that. One thing I can say that everybody has in common, pretty much everybody is that they have the belief that no matter how good or bad they are in general or in the moment, that if they step out there, once it's camera time, they've got it. Mm. And that is also probably one of the most underestimated things for a performer is they believe that the last thing they did or the last worrisome thing they did is the thing now that they fear in the upcoming future and they hold that in their mind versus just believing and knowing that it doesn't matter what just happened. I've got it. Mm -hmm. And that to me is as a mark of somebody who's actually going to be able to withstand the demands and the craziness of the industry. You've got to like mentally get yourself to that point where you go everything else out. Here I go.
0: Yeah. And uh, well, that's what I love I'm,
1: about being on set.
0: No kidding. Well, that's also it's so uh, indicative also to sport. Like you said, if Yes, Rob Gronkowski, he's running her out and <laughs> Brady throws of the ball. Like, he's confident enough. He's going to catch it. He's not going to catch it every time, but you know, you're, you're in the zone. So that transfers over to performing and like he said, um, the repetition as well as an artist, as a performer, it's same as an athlete, if you're going out, trying so- something, you're performing all the time, obviously you're going to be nervous and have stage fright and butterflies and the whole thing when you yeah. start, but you know, if you're going to get to a point where you're confident enough that you're almost excited about trying something and it may be not working because then you'll actually know if it works or not for the next show. Right. So that's
1: right. And it's no big yeah. deal. It doesn't define you and you keep going. Yeah. That's how I think it's a bit better way to fare the, uh the lifestyle of this sort of work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There you go. So we're going to, we're going to start to wrap up here. So I've got uh Our rapid fire questions here. There's about, there's about 10 of them. Do I have to be fast? No, you don't have to be super fast. (laughs) They they start pretty simple and super easy. And then they will, they get a little bit deeper as we, as we get to the end. So no, no, no pressure. (laughs) Uh, So the first one is uh, one book that you feel everyone should read. Uh,
1: Zen guitar. I love that book.
0: Enlighten me. I've never heard of this book.
1: It is a masterful book regarding basically looking at this, in this case, guitar playing, but also could be music from the point of view of a dojo. And so Hmm. he basically combines the concepts of calligraphy, um, the dojo or judo karate kind of martial arts and playing a guitar or music in general. And it's really beautiful. It's 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 a very all-encompassing, wholesome way about looking at music.
0: That is fascinating. That, now I'm very intrigued. <laughs> uh, the, the next one is your favorite song of either all time or, or just right now.
1: My favorite song. I mean, I've always loved Leonard Cohen. Um, mm. Do I have a favorite song? I mean, I love Marianne. I think when I was little, I just watched his record. I just watched the back of it while I listened to it over and over and over. So I'm sure there's many others, but I, that song and actually 60 Years On, which is an old song of Elton John's. Just love it.
0: There you go. Awesome. Uh, Salty snack or sweets?
1: Oh, I am a snack girl. I am definitely snacks, Uh, muffins, and I would say Chips and salsa are my favorites.
0: Awesome. Uh, Lazy beach vacation or crazy travel adventure?
1: Oh, beach.
0: Beach. Do you have a favorite beach?
1: I love, yeah, I love going to Maui and like Charlie Young Beach is one of my favorites.
0: Awesome. We're we're going to uh, Hawaii in October. So it'll be our our first time there. So I'm very excited.
1: Oh my God, you're going to love it. (laughs)
0: Um, Favorite TV show or movie?
1: I love Million Dollar Baby.
0: Oh, great movie. It's so sad, but so it's so sad. great.
1: It's like I just love this so much.
0: <laughs> uh, favorite local small business? I know you move around all the time, so I'm yes, curious. Yes, I th- do. Where, what... Uh...
1: I like many. Joy's is, strangely, this vegan um, little local hole in the wall kind of place in Maui that I just love that's creative food and really delicious.
0: There you go. Might have to try and find that while we're there. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Is there one quote that you live by?
1: I don't live by a quote. Do I have a quote? I don't think I live by any quote. I can't like think a of a particular lyric? one. Favorite no. lyric. I mean, I just go back to all the Leonard Cohen lyrics, <laughs> you know, when there's like a sliver of light or like when the, that's the, the crack where the light comes in. I mean, I love that. Mm. I forget how the lyric goes, but, um, I know I love poetry. So I guess, you know, the, the poet, what's the poem about, um, um, you're going to have to definitely edit this out, (laughs) Brayton.
0: That's all good.
1: I don't think I can think of a quote in the moment, but I'm going to.
0: That's all good. That's all good. Um, so these are, these are the two deeper ones. So who is someone that you would like to thank for helping you get to where you are today and why?
1: Oh my gosh, so many millions of people I would like to thank. Like, not that I know millions, but there's just so many people. I think that one coach who we talked about at the very beginning who saw something in me to say this was time to start vocal coaching. Hmm. So Carlene Losey is her name. Um, I would love to thank her for seeing something in me that I didn't see.
0: That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and then the last one is if there was one piece of advice that you could share with your younger self, What
1: would it be? You don't have to know all the answers. They will become revealed over time and just continue following what you know is good and right and um, sparks you because it will lead to something.
0: I love that. I even still need to probably remind myself of that today. So. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. Well, Tamara, I really appreciate you taking the time. It was a pleasure getting to to chat. Um if anybody would like to follow you or or uh you know, get in touch with you about coaching or or speaking engagements, any of that kind of stuff, where where can they find you?
1: Best place is probably my website at com. I'm trying to get better on social media and I, I'm everywhere at, um, at I am Tamara Beattie. So those are good ways. And I will be putting out an app at some point. So I really hope people when they see it are going to check it out because it is not been done. It's n- never been done like that type of training that I'm going to put out there for everybody, for singers and performers. So
0: yep. um, one of these days. You sh- shared a little bit about it with me and I am very intrigued and excited about it. So it just takes time. It, it's
1: called voice fit, it but does. it's coming.
0: <laughs> it's coming. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Tamara. It's been an absolute pleasure and, uh, really appreciate you sharing your, your time and your story.
1: Well, thank you for your time. And thank you for all the things you do for people. You're always putting up oh. such <laughs> valuable information and I, I look forward to
0: learning more from you. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of At The Heart Of It. Be sure to check out the show notes for more information on our guest and any relevant links that we talked about within the show. If you liked this episode, please give the podcast a five-star review on whichever platform that you're listening to this on, as it helps us share the show with more amazing people just like yourself. Music for this episode is by Leaving Thomas, and you can check us out on Spotify, Apple Music, or wherever you listen to your favorite music. I'm Brighton Beauty, and thanks for listening to At the Heart of It.